First reading is from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12, and can be found on page 1216 in the Church Bibles. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Am I, can you hear me? Everyone hear me all right? Good. Well, as we continue our study of James and we look at this very challenging passage, I think I need to pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you that um, you are the one who speaks to us and by your spirit, I pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning, that you would take my words, Lord, and just speak to our hearts, Lord. And anything that's not of you, Lord, would it just fall away? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start with a story of encouragement because the words patience and perseverance always make my heart sink. So, um, as you saw earlier from the clip from Soul Survivor, the previous week we were down at New Wine at the same site. And it was a wonderful week. And John Coles, who many of you will know or have heard of, he's, if you like, one of the spiritual fathers of the New Wine movement. And he was telling us this wonderful story of persevering in prayer, really. Um, His daughter married some 12 years ago, and she was desperate to have a baby. And everyone was praying, but for many years, no sign of a baby. And then she was told that she wouldn't be able to have a baby naturally. So they then tried IVF. And that didn't, that didn't work either. So then they thought, well, perhaps we could adopt a baby or adopt a child, So they went down that rather lengthy process. Some of you will know it's quite a long process and it's quite intense when you look at um, adopting. And then, would you believe it, at the very last minute, just as they thought they were going to be receiving this little baby girl, it all fell through. So I can't imagine how they must have felt at this point. But still, people were praying. They were trying to pray. And then, would you believe it, last year she fell pregnant. And earlier this year, she had a baby girl. So for me, it spoke to not only the fact that they were persevering and and just trying to trust God, 
Um, but everybody was standing with them. I think that's probably the most important thing that I've taken away from this whole passage in James is the fact that we are called to stand firm and that we do it together. You know, we pray, support, encourage one another. So at last they had their little baby girl. And it's different for each one of us. Our paths are, are different. But as I said, when I first read this passage in James, the words that really struck a chord with me were stand firm. Stand firm, hold on to God. And James starts with this passage. I don't know if you want to open it up in your service sheets or if you have a Bible. But um, he starts with the words, be patient until the Lord's coming. And there are actually 44 Bible verses besides the Gospels that speak of the Lord's coming. And for the early Christians, there was a great sense that this was going to be an imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And they often greeted one another with the Aramaic word Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. So that would have really strengthened them and made them be able to stand firm because they were facing terrible suffering and persecution. Did you know that the fastest growing church at the moment is actually in Iran, where the government has closed church buildings, it's banned the Bible in Persian, it's outlawed evangelism, it's imprisoned numerous Christian leaders, and allegedly it's murdered eight church leaders. Yet, despite all that, that is where the church is growing the fastest. And when people stand firm in their faith, they hold on to God and they cry out to him, Maranatha. Then God builds his church. It's amazing. So we've got to be like those early Christians and we've got to be like the Christians in Iran and we've got to hold on to God. Whatever is happening in our lives, we need to hold on to him and stand firm in the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And again, James says, be patient like the farmer waiting for the land to yield its valuable crop because the Lord's coming is near. Well, I don't know how near we feel the Lord's coming is. Don't know if you maybe even think about that. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And we too are called to be like that. We're called to look and see what is happening in our times, to stand fast in our faith, and to be ready for Jesus' return. Well, that could be for some of us very soon, because we may be actually going to meet with Jesus, because we've come to the end of our lives. We never know when we're going to die. So we need to be ready, need to be ready to meet him even today. And by that, I don't mean obviously packing your bags because you can't take anything with you. But I mean, be ready by asking the Holy Spirit, asking him to show us what do we need to do? Are there any broken relationships in our lives that need fixing? Maybe we need to forgive someone. Maybe we need to be part of making amends to restore a relationship. But also be asking the Holy Spirit, show me if there is anything that offends you in my life. I find um, praying Psalm 139 very helpful, actually. Um, Particularly the verses, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And point out anything in me that offends you. 
and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Because there is a lot going on in the world today. The church in Iran is, is uh, just one little example. But I am glad that Jesus has not returned yet because there is work still to be done. There are people in our, certainly my family, friends, in our communities who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet and they could be heading for a lost eternity. So we need to be on guard. We need to be watching to see what the Holy Spirit is doing and to hold on to God. Whatever is happening in our lives, hold on to God. And that is why we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We cannot do this on our own. We can't do this without one another. And we cannot do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who guides us and gives us that boldness. As Pads mentioned earlier, he's the one who leads us into all truth in John's gospel and reveals more and more of Jesus to us. Paul actually writes to the church in Ephesus that our fight is not against flesh and blood, it's not against people, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil in this world and in the heavenly realms. And he exhorts the disciples and us to stand firm. And then he says again, after you've done everything, everything you can do to be ready, stand firm and hold on to God. So we need to be patient in suffering and we need to persevere together in prayer with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit um, develops the patience in us. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit that is harvested in our lives is, is patience. And it's wonderful news that we are all in this family here together. And one of the things that I have found really helps me is being in a home group. It's like a smaller family of the bigger family. And we pray together and we talk about Jesus together and we read the scriptures together and we encourage one another. We're together. And if something is, if you're struggling with something, you can ring someone or send a message out to pray about this. We let people in close to our lives because we can't do this on our own. Yes, we need the Holy Spirit, but we all need one another. I was reminded of the, um, the battle um, with Moses and the Amalekites. And Moses was told to hold his staff up. And when he held his staff up, Joshua led the army into battle. And as the staff was held high, they were pushing back the Amalekites, they were winning. But he got tired. He couldn't keep holding his hands up with his staff. And as he got weary and his hands came down, the Amalekites started to push back the people of God. And so Aaron and Hur stood with Moses and they held his hands up for him. And we need to be like that for one another. We need to hold our hands up in prayer. We need to be saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit and help us as we stand together and we persevere and we're patient in our suffering. Because then too, just like the Lord gave the people of Israel the victory, we too will have the victory against the enemy. So faith is about the whole family of God working together in perfect harmony. We are the body of Christ. And that is when people will see Jesus, when we start to work together. And that is why James warns us in verse 9 not to grumble against one another or we will be judged. 
John Stott says, under the stresses for living for God, we may so easily round on our fellow Christians in all sorts of grumbles, and our tongues may let us down and rob us of the precious harvest. James has already taught us that the harvest requires the soil of fellowship. And in chapter 3 in the book of James, he says, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Scripture tells us that one day we will all be judged by Jesus. And if we put our trust in Jesus and declare him as Lord, our salvation is totally secure. But we will be rewarded according to the fruits of our works. Just like the servants in the gospel stories who were told to invest what they had been entrusted by their Lord so it would reap a harvest. Stott says we too will be asked to show the fruits of our labours. What have we done for Christ with what he has given us? Have we shared the good news of the kingdom of God? Have we used his gifts to be salt and light in our communities? One of the greatest gifts we have is is our time. Do, Do we use it in godly ways? It's challenging stuff, but it's important that we keep in mind that Jesus loves us so much that he went to the cross for each one of us, not to condemn us, but to set us free and to break the power of sin and death over us. Not just so we could be judged for what we've done wrong, but so that Jesus will delight in what we have done well through the outpouring of his love into our hearts, a love that changes and transforms us into his image so that one day we can stand before him and hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. So back to our passage in James in verse 10. We are to take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Well, the prophets didn't have an easy time. Poor Jeremiah was hunted by the men of his hometown to stop him from speaking the name of the Lord. Ezekiel suffered painful bereavement as a setting for his message. And poor Hosea's marriage breakdown was in itself the very word of the Lord to Israel, telling them how adulterous they were. And Jesus too compared his destiny and that of his followers with the fates of the prophets. Suffering and ministry seemed to go hand in hand. One of the most um, inspirational women of God I, I think I have ever met was Phyllis Chapman. Many of you will know Phyllis. She attended St. Matthew's Church for many, many years. And I had the huge privilege in the last few years of her life, she lived well into her 90s, uh, to visit her. And I used to treasure those visits because when I was with her, I felt so close to God. And she'd suffered terribly with cancer. She'd been widowed and been on her own a long time. But she never complained. She was so patient in her suffering. And she always stood firm in her faith, telling me the most wonderful stories about her relationship with Jesus. And I know she touched many people's lives. And I aspire to be like that. But I'd quite like to avoid the suffering bit. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, as James points out in the first chapter of his book, perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So there are no shortcuts, sadly, to spiritual maturity. We need to be patient in our suffering and we need to persevere if we are to become more like Jesus. And James goes on to remind us that actually those who persevere are counted as blessed. In my um, NIV study note, my Bible, um, there's a little note that says that um, Job persevered, but he wasn't very patient. And I really like that because I thought, oh, good, somebody, you know, we hear stories of very real people. And actually what God wants is a real relationship with us. He doesn't want us to pretend everything's okay when it's not. But we must be careful not to be flippant and use God's name in vain. As James warns us in our final verse, or we will be condemned. Do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All we need is a simple yes or no. Commentators actually said that oath-taking was often used in that culture in order to give the appearance of making a binding statement or agreement. But the actual wording contained an escape route so the speaker could not be held to account, which sounds surprisingly familiar to life today. And obviously, we're not immune to the world we live in. So have you made any promises recently that actually you've not really got any intention of keeping? Because Jesus challenged this behavior in Matthew's gospel when he says, all you need is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. And I was actually reflecting on this simple yes or no, and I came to the conclusion that I sometimes give an answer that I think is what people want to hear, but it's actually not really what I believe or what I'm thinking. So you can all hold me to account when you ask me a question, if that's what I really think. But being held accountable is really important if we're serious about living the Christian life. And studying God's word and praying together is the way to spiritual maturity. As many of you know, we have been praying for some seven weeks now for Will Anstis, who fell through a roof, and he's still not fully awake. He's still in a sort of coma state. And I cannot tell you how moved I have been by his wife Rose's Facebook page. They have literally been carried on the prayers of God's children. And they've been shown so many practical ways of God's love. So we're not alone in this. We're all in this together. And please keep praying for Will's recovery because we believe in a God that heals and restores. But we have to let him be the one to decide the way. And the Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens us, who comforts us and ultimately God will restore all things in his perfect timing as we cry Maranatha come Lord Jesus so let us strengthen and encourage one another with stories of the wonderful things that God has done of of his faithfulness and let us support one another in practical ways as well by praying together and in showing people God's love in in all sorts of different ways. We can do very practical acts of kindness. 
but we also need to be telling those who don't know Jesus yet the good news, because it is good news. Because as I said earlier, we don't know, it's not for us to judge, but there are people who don't know him yet, who are going to a lost eternity. So standing firm together in the truth, the knowledge that Jesus will come again. And let us be ready, each one of us today, let us be ready so that when we meet him, we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.